listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can I give it up for our worship team? Thank them for leading us tonight. Thank you guys for pointing us to Jesus every week. I appreciate that. You, y'all can have a seat. Uh, tonight we're going to be in John chapter 10, starting in verse 11, kind of picking up from where we were last week. Um, this is week five of our I Am series. We have eight total weeks. Um, super excited that we're still in it. It's going to be hard for me to leave. I, I don't know about you, but just kind of diving in this has been really rewarding, just seeing all the, the things Jesus says about himself. And in and, and the first week, he said that he is the, the great I am. We went into all, what all that means, that he is eternal. He's not, doesn't only know a little bit about us, he knows everything about us, and he's actually our creator. Um, and then we looked at him being the bread of life. After that, we talked about him being the light of the world and that his light isn't to shine on us, to expose us in a bad way, but to rather point us and show us a better thing than the darkness that we walk into to expose the reality that we have chosen a path that's not Jesus so that we might come to Jesus. Beautiful night that was as we even practiced bringing our sins into the light and seeing the the healing of of forgiveness and fellowship with Jesus. And then uh, last week we talked about Jesus being the, the door and it's only really through him that you can enter into heaven. And then this week we're going to talk about Jesus being the good shepherd, the good shepherd. Before we get any further, um, I want you to kind of think in your minds, this could be recently, this could have been a long time ago, but think about maybe a time where your friends or family was really hyping something up to you. Maybe it was, uh, let's do a movie for example. They were really hyping up, you've got to see this movie. Like, if you don't see this movie, like your life is just not gonna be as good as mine, all right? They're, they're really hyping it up, right? Like you're gonna love Jesus more from seeing this movie, all right? They're, they're exaggerating. And then let's just say you finally do see it and you're incredibly disappointed. Has that ever happened to anyone in this room? Someone's hyped something up, yeah? Y'all are just really joyful people and not much disappointment. And so for me, I gotta be honest, I don't want any haters, don't want any tomatoes thrown. For me, it is that with the movie Napoleon Dynamite. Guys, I know, I know it makes me a terrible person, but y'all, like all through sixth grade, I'm kind of dating myself. Some of you weren't even born yet. Uh, but like all through sixth grade, I remember my friends just hyping up Napoleon Dynamite and, and going through all the, the quotes. See, I have, I have some like quotes here. Uh, this is one of my, one of my favorite one. Uh, it says, uh, Napoleon, don't be jealous that I've been chatting online with babes all day. Besides, we both know that I'm training to be a cage fighter. All right, that's good. I don't know if y'all are appreciating that. Any other quotes you guys got? Oh, here, here's another one. So he's, this is like a pickup line for him. And the phone is like, I see you're drinking 1%. Is that because you think you're fat? Because you're not. You could totally be drinking whole if you wanted to. Like, guys, try it out. See how it works. Um, probably don't. Uh, but anyway, I'm not going to read the, the quotes. But I, like my friends would constantly read or constantly tell me about Napoleon Dynamite. You just got to see it. Vote for Pedro. Vote for Pedro. Right? Like that became an inside joke. Or Tina, you fat lard. I'd be like, why are people calling me Tina and a fat lard? I don't know why. All right? And so I finally, finally sat down and watched this movie, guys. And at the end, I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, I can't get that hour and 45 minutes back. Like, I'm... Like, I need to get saved and baptized again. Like, that was just terrible, all right? Um, and so 
I'll uh, maybe pick back up the story. You can ask me what my thoughts are on Napoleon today. Um, but that happens sometimes. Like we can be told something is going to be a really, really great experience and be let down. And I want you to kind of put on these blinders for, for, for tonight. When, when, when Jesus says that he is the good shepherd, that, of course, is, it kind of plucks the heartstrings a little bit. And so I, don't, I would be remiss if we went through tonight and didn't, really lean into the aspects of Jesus being the good shepherd that not only speaks to our head, but speaks to our souls. And so with that being said, think about things that have been overhyped and there's been people leaving disappointed. And I will tell you that the church is no stranger to that idea. So many people became a Christian, got into the whole church thing. They had friends say, just come, just come, it's gonna be awesome. We, we've had an incredible experience and they come and maybe they leave and they're like, ah, I, don't, I don't know if I really agree with that, I don't know if that was a great experience you said I would have. Or even, even worse, sometimes what happens is that the church becomes the sole source of hurt and pain that actually drives them away from Jesus. And so it's not only that it wasn't good like they were promised, it's that it's actually bad. That, that happens. We, you Watch the news the past couple of years. It, it used to be we just threw Roman Catholicism under the bus with scandals there. But even in Protestantism, we've seen things happen in churches that reveal a problem. And that is that Jesus said he's the good shepherd, but there are bad shepherds out there. There, there is something that you should know and that the church in reality, Christ followers and Jesus, should come together as a church and form something beautiful and amazing and safe and secure where people flourish. I believe to the best of our ability, we do that here at Southcrest, if you're wondering. And we strive to that end. We're aware of those things. But the reality is that some people have had a bad experience and some people may be tempted, right, to write Jesus off because of the experience that they've had with Christianity. And so here's the question tonight. If Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, and yet there's been all these people with maybe some bad experiences, why should we embrace Jesus as the good shepherd? I think that's an answer that I want you, through God's word, to take away tonight, knowing what that is. Why should we embrace him? So we're, we're seeing, again, right, all these bad things that tend to happen. Why should you trust that he's actually good when it seems like a lot of his followers are bad or not helpful? If Jesus is a good shepherd, what sets him apart? What makes him more compelling than maybe the things that people do in his name that are not good? What about Jesus should make you want to embrace him as your good shepherd? So John chapter 10, as I said, starting in verse 11. Let's read that together. I am the good shepherd, this is Jesus talking. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I laid down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For those of you passionate about missions, you should read verse 16 and say, that's the Great Commission. That's bringing sheep from all nations in to know the one shepherd. Little spoiler there. Verse 17, for this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. Verse 18, no one takes it from me, 
but I lay it down of my own accord. And I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. Now skip down to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. I and the Father are one. Friends, first off, why should we embrace Jesus as our good shepherd? As I look at verse 11, I can't help but see this truth. We should embrace Jesus as our good shepherd because Jesus sacrificially loves his Sheep. All right, like, I want you to know for every single person in this room that Jesus does not play games when it comes to your soul. He is passionate about saving your soul, enough to sacrifice himself. And the image that he's giving here, if you remember from last week, is a guy just got excommunicated from the, basically the Jewish synagogue for doing bad things. No, because Jesus healed him. They're like, we're not interested in you being healed on the Sabbath. They kicked him out for doing nothing wrong. And so Jesus calls him out. He says that you are bad shepherds. He's saying, but I am the good shepherd. And I'm gonna actually lay my life down for my sheep. Now, why is that significant? Why would that set him apart? Well, I wanna give uh, an example for you. So how many of you have ever, please, let's be better at hand raising, all right? How many of you have ever like dog sat before? Like, Take, taking care of someone's dogs, maybe. Okay, there we go. Like almost all of us, right? And, they, and sometimes, if we'll be you know, frank, like maybe we have some rich friends and we don't stay in their house for a few days, you know what I'm saying? Like got a nice coffee maker, a nice, nice bit. Yeah, I know. And, so, and, and their dog is just all right, right? Feed them a few times a day, play with them. And so I wanna, I wanna just play out this scenario for you. Uh, let's say that their dog is a chihuahua, right? And they have a backyard with a fence on all sides. And the next door neighbor's dog is a 70-pound pit bull, all right? We're just playing this scenario out. And, but your, your job is to take care of the chihuahua, right? Um, so this chihuahua, he's, he's just yipping and pooping everywhere. That's the only thing they're really good for, honestly. Um, and uh, he's super annoying. And um, you're, like, taking care of it. You're feeding it and trying to play with it. But you're like, this is like a rat. How do I play with a rat? Um, but anyway, um, Let's just say one day uh, the chihuahua gets on the pit bull's nerves, right? And, and Mr. Pitbull um, decides, I am going to eat Mr. Yipmeister for lunch today, all right? His name's Yipmeister now. His name will change throughout this. Um, and so Yippity Yip um, starts uh, barking, yipping at the fence, um, and Mr. Pitbull starts on that side of his fence and runs and busts through the fence, busts a hole in it, and comes straight towards you while you're holding Mr. Yip, right? And he's, you, it's very obvious that he wants Mr. Yip for lunch, okay? Now, what are you gonna do in that situation? Be honest. Like, chihuahuas are like 50 cents, all right? Come on, we can, they, just go to the streets and neighborhoods I'll tell you about. You'll find them everywhere, okay? All right, so if you're wise, if you're smart, not only are you dropping that chihuahua and running so Mr. Pitbull doesn't come after you, you're going in the kitchen real quickly, grabbing a fork and knife and throwing it out there and saying, please enjoy, right? So you can get as far away from Mr. Pitbull as you can because what happens, what's gonna happen to you if you try to keep him from doing that? Like, you're gonna get bit, you're gonna get attacked. You, I mean, you may even die. Let's just make it real dramatic, right? 70-pound Pitbull, like he's got some strength behind him, right? That's common sense. If any of you have ever done the opposite, I'm so sorry, I just offended your sacrifice that you made. All right, but that sort of idea is, is, is how Jesus is, is really pointing out the bad shepherds. And, and he's saying, 
No, no, no. Good shepherds lay their lives down for the sheep. And so I got news for you. You and I, in terms of being able to save ourselves, in terms of our righteousness to God, we're way worse than a yipping, pooping chihuahua, all right? Romans 5 actually says that we were enemies before we came to Jesus. Ephesians 2 says that we were dead in our sins. So enemies in a, in a coffin. That's the, that's, the, that's the vision they want us to give of our ability to save ourselves. And it was for yipping chihuahuas, it was for enemies and people dead in their sin that Jesus sacrificially died for. That he had, I, I believe that Jesus somehow, amazingly, it was able to know who he was going to die for. You and me. And he sacrificed his own life so that you may live. That's the type of good shepherd that we're talking about. It means that that pit bull in all of our lives was called Mr. Sin <laughs> or Satan coming after our souls to destroy it and kill us. And Jesus stepped in as a good shepherd and said, not today, Satan, right? You know that song? That's what he does every single day. Jesus, why should we embrace him as a good shepherd? Because he sacrificially loves his sheep. Every single person in this room that's in Christ, embrace that truth and know that. And if you're not in Christ, consider his love. So, next, why should we embrace Jesus as our good shepherd? There's so much more that sets Jesus apart. I want you to look at verses 14 to 16 with me. It says this. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice so there will be one flock and one shepherd. Why embrace Jesus as your good shepherd? Because Jesus knows and zealously pursues his sheep. And I wanna flesh that out a little bit, okay? So listen to how he says that he knows his own sheep and his sheep know him. Listen, that word know is not just like know about, it's knows deeply. It's a Psalm 139, if you've ever read that Psalm, it says these words, in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. As God has known, Jesus has known his sheep before the world was ever created, and he knows us very, very well. He knows every sin you've committed and will commit every hair on your head, and it's still knowing all that, back to verse one, back to point one, he sacrificially loves you and died for those same sins. And then it's not only that, not only does he know you intimately, and that should be beautiful, that should be enough, like thank you God for knowing me, this nothing from the dirt. No, he zealously pursues us. What does zealous mean? It's just consumed with passion for Right, I, I believe Caitlin and I joke about like, I think I have maybe some, some zeal in me. I get kind of passionate and excited. Not everyone has that, but Jesus takes it to the next level. It's amazing how zealously he pursues us. And I just want you to think about how many sheep Jesus has brought into the fold, fold since he spoke these words. Like he was right, he did have sheep. There's been billions of people that were not there, that were not of Israel all around the world, all nations, all tongues, languages, and cultures, guys, who have come to him, why? because he zealously pursues them. To what end? So there will be one fold under one shepherd, one flock under the good shepherd, Jesus. And so thinking about zealously pursuing something is kind of like having a soul mission in mind. So I want you to think about something. Um, I want you to imagine right now that you reach into your pocket or wherever you keep your phone and it's gone. Okay, let's be real. Even if you really like sermons, 
Finding your phone has just become your top priority, right? I'm not gonna take offense, right? And so what, what happens, and you know this, I'm not, I'm not roasting any of you guys. Some of you have lost your phone and you have flipped the lid, right? Like you have freaked out. Like someone would have thought like that, that a building was on fire, where you were coming from, running around trying to find it. Like you're gonna freak out. And all of a sudden, this treasured possession of yours and finding it becomes your sole mission. So you guys have an understanding, right? We all do, at least a shallow understanding of trying to find something that's lost. I think a, a few weeks ago, I didn't tell her about this. One of our students lost her, her keys in here. It was like going all around trying to try to find those keys. When you lose something that's, tre- that's a treasure to you, you know how consumed you are to find that thing. And now here's the thing. Jesus' sheep are his treasured possession. And it is at the top of his agenda. (laughs) It has become his sole mission to save the souls of his sheep. That's what we're talking about, the person who with his words created the world. In the beginning, said, let there be light. He not only has an interest in you and thinks, oh, huh, cool. He's made it his sole mission to save you from your sin. And that's what makes him a good shepherd. I'll tell you something. I try to be a good under shepherd as a pastor, but I have a great week if I can split up my meetings and coffee and lunches to maybe six to 10. Like that's just a stellar week, right? I can't be that to everybody. But Jesus, as the good shepherd, he pursues every single one of your hearts and loves you. And he, his, what's on his mind constantly is how can he go after that lost sheep? Leave the 99 to go after the one. And if you're in Christ, at one time in your life, you were that one and he saved you. So friends, why, why embrace Jesus as your good shepherd? And because he sacrificially loves our sheep, his sheep so much, and he knows you intimately, and that doesn't prevent him from like, mm, I don't know about that. I didn't, I didn't know that they did that. I didn't know that they did this sin. I didn't know that they were gonna make this mistake. I didn't know that they were gonna only come to church once a month. No, he knows you intimately, and he loves you, and he pursues you. If you know anything about Jesus as shepherd, this next point, though, might be the most important. I want you all to go to verse 28 to 30 with me. You guys alive out there? Can I get a hey-oh if you are with me? Hey-oh, all right. All right, good. Just making sure, just making sure you are alive. All right, verse 28. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Why should we embrace Jesus as our good shepherd? Guys, Oh, if you hear anything tonight, this may be it. Because Jesus eternally, I'm talking about forever and ever and ever and ever, Jesus eternally secures the salvation of his sheep. For believers in the room, can I get an amen? Eternally secures you, okay? So listen, every single believer in this room is being held in the hands, not only of Jesus. Look at this. It's a co-effort. You don't have to understand the Trinity. He's saying, you're in the Father's hands too. We're working together on this. We're serious about holding you where you are and keeping you, not so you can lose what we've found, right? That's what this is saying. 
That means the eternal life we've been given in Christ cannot be taken away or forfeited. He has guaranteed that the eternal destiny of our souls will be with him in heaven forever. Forever. You know what the forever is in Greek? It's, it's forever, all right? All right. <laughs> Real Greek scholar up here, you're welcome. All right, so, so to help you, I, I, I just think so many of you miss this idea of feeling, like being secure, being held. I, I'm actually gonna, gonna call up Jeremy Winters up here. Y'all give it up for Jeremy. He's gonna help give us a little picture tonight. Y'all can give it up more than that. Come on, let's go. It's Jeremy Winters. We got a celebrity visit tonight. And so um, Jeremy is a um, police officer that helps us with security. Uh, and Jeremy has handcuffs on him tonight. And um, I, uh, I asked him if anyone who's ever been in handcuffs, <laughs> I'm like actually nervous. I don't know why I thought this. Uh, if anyone is, he's actually handcuffed has ever gotten free. And he said one time a frail old lady and I am by no means a frail old lady. So I'm gonna let him handcuff me. Should I take my watch off? Yeah, I'm going to take my watch off. It's going to hurt either way. All right, great. Um, some of you are like, if Jesus lives like this, I'm out. All right, but here, here's the handcuffs. No, no. So we actually talked through this, guys. I'm so, like, stiff from lifting too much. I can't get my hands behind my back. So I hope I never actually commit a crime because it's going to hurt. So anyway, we, here, here we are. And so, I mean, honestly, like, am I getting out of this? Is there any advice that they could give me? Could they talk me out of this? Could I meditate for a few hours and will myself out of these cuffs? Okay, could I use my teeth? No? That'd be interesting to see. You want to see it? Y'all want to see it? No, this isn't a magic show, all right? Don't put your teeth on it? All right. Dude, these look like they've had some mileage, bro. The year on this is like 1920. What in the world? I'm just joking. 1980. 1980, okay, good. I'm messing with you. All right, and so... This, this picture, I'm going to have him take it off if he'll be willing to take it off. But this is what I want y'all to know. Like, oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, he, you left your keys, didn't you? Oh, man. So <laughs> I, I want y'all to, to focus on, like, my hands. I'm not a hand model, right? They're kind of ugly, callous. But, but just look away if it's that offensive. But, guys, my, my hands, um, I, they're, not, they're not going anywhere. Nothing you could say to me, there's nothing that I could do or not do. <laughs> there's no idea that I could come up with unless I had a key <laughs> to get out of this. And I, I want y'all to hear this. With your salvation, you are eternally secure. When, when, when God saves you, it's not, Romans 6 says, not not. You're not given all this grace so you can just keep sinning all the more. That, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that when he saves you, he makes it to where there's nothing you can say or do or not do is going to unsave you. When he secures you, you're gonna stay fastened. There's nothing that you're going to do that's going to unsecure you or unfasten that if you are in Christ. Y'all tracking with this? And so furthermore, just like this, unless you have a key, <laughs> Let's flip this. I'm trying to do the flip, but I can't do hand motions and cuffs on. In a positive way, Jesus has the key to the eternal destiny of your souls. And in terms, in terms of your salvation and your security, he has locked it in and thrown the key away so it can never be 
undone. It can never be set free. You are eternally, eternally saved and secure. Amen? All right. Y'all give it up for Jeremy again so he'll let me go. All right. We're gonna let these things out. Thanks, brother. Please work. Please work. <laughs> Uh-oh. I don't like that sound. Thanks, man. I'm kind of nervous still. Okay. Woo. All right. We're good. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. I'll give it up for him again. I want every single one of you to realize the point of this is, is that you're, you're gonna start relating to Jesus, you're gonna start thinking in ways that are, that are actually what the, what the Bible says about your salvation. In other words, what I want you to do is trust that Jesus actually has you in his hands and is never gonna let you go. And, and some of you, you're like, Cole, listen, I, I've heard things like this before and I just can't resonate with that. Are you trying to say that our salvation is really that guaranteed. Like you're making it sound like literally I never have to worry about where I'm gonna go after death and never have to worry about the eternal destiny of my soul. Like it sounds too good to be true. And underneath a lot of us tonight, you're thinking that exact thought. And I'm just asking, can we just have like a pastoral moment here? Because I, I know that's underneath so many of us. And listen, I truly believe that so many Christians operate on a day-to-day -day basis as if we're not actually eternally secure in Christ. Think about every single time you watch something on the internet that you know you're not supposed to, that you question your salvation. Think about how many times you went too far in that relationship in that car and afterwards the guilt overtook you and you question your salvation. Think about how when you feel like you're in a lull and not growing in Christ like you should be, that you question your salvation. Like we say Jesus loves us and that he saves us, but we might low-key low internally believe that maybe we can mess up or undo the saving work that he has done. In, in other words... Some of us actually believe as Jesus was on the cross, hanging, bloody, murdered, and crying out, it is finished, to tell us thy, that somehow we can tell the king of kings, or, hey, actually what you finished, I, I unfinished, I undid. And friends, unless they repent, there are bad shepherds, shepherds in the world responsible for that. There, what we talked about last week, the thieves and the wolves coming through the door, there, there are false teachers that tell you things like baptism saves you, and if you miss communion, that you're, it's gonna cost you maybe where your eternal destiny lies. They're gonna tell you that you're gonna have to do good enough works in order to be saved, and unless they repent from that false teaching, those are bad shepherds, and that kind of functional theology stays in the heads of confused sheep. And I wanna tell you what people are doing when they're confusing you, when they're telling you that what God saves can unsave is they're taking the Bible and doing that with it. And they're grabbing a pen and paper and making something else up that Jesus, the Son of God, never said. Amen? Yeah, I kind of scared to amen. Like, it's a little intense, brother. That's like a $2 Bible. Don't worry, I'm... I'm, my eternal destiny is okay. Jesus is all right with me throwing Bibles, all right? Guys, I counsel and talk to so many people that as we talk through, what, what's your struggle? What are you going through? You know what's underneath it? They don't believe that God really loves them. 
They don't really believe that they're a child of God. John 3, 16, you all know it. Whoever believes in him shall not, what? Perish but have everlasting life. Look at the good shepherd he's saying to you. No, no one or nothing's gonna snatch you out of my hand. I've got you. I want you guys to turn to Romans chapter eight, verse 38 tonight. Romans eight thirty-eight. Some of you know it. you're still not convinced, but you think the Bible is trustworthy, hear this out. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did he say some things can and some things can't? No, use your college education tonight. Praise Jesus, we can read it and see that he says nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So here's what this means. Who God saves, he saves perfectly. He's never gonna let us down in terms of the eternal destiny of our souls. He's never gonna let us go. When he saves you, no one or nothing can change that. No sin you commit, no person in your life, no suffering that you experience. So why should you embrace Jesus as your good shepherd? It's because Jesus eternally secures the salvation of his sheep forever. Leave the teaching of the bad shepherds and come into the light of the good shepherd and rest in his finished work. There are things that still hinder us from following Jesus and embracing him as our shepherd tonight. There are religions that promise peace and security too. I've had these conversations all the time, right? Guys, as you examine and listen, if you're, if you're talking with someone in another religion, listen more and ask more than you talk at first at least, okay? As you listen, and I, I, here's an example. This is with really all religions. I, I got to ride on a plane to China, 13-hour plane ride. I can't remember this, with a Buddhist monk. I'm not kidding. Who, when else would that happen? You know, 13 hours next to a monk, asking him all these questions. And I listened, and I learned, and I wanted to learn. I wanted to know what is so intriguing, what would make him, right, embrace the teaching of Buddhism, right? And it was interesting to learn how much of his life was totally insecure. (laughs) How much of his life's effort were totally dependent upon how he lived, what he did or didn't do, the good or bad thing that he did. And and you've done this too, even with with people that want to say that, that there is no God, but their virtue is in maybe loving people or just being a decent person. The fact is, is that in any religion, as you look and you hear, there's two devastating problems. And the first is they're all missing a shepherd. They're all missing a shepherd. And the second is related to that. What's the second devastating problem? The second devastating problem is they don't account for the inevitable reality. We are all dumb sheep, (laughs) right? 
Bah, like we're just we're just doing things we shouldn't do all the time. Like we're all dumb sheep who go astray. We don't stay on the path. We don't keep at it. Like we hear one voice, look, here we go over here. That's not what sheep sound like if you've never been with livestock. But anyway, here's something else. We come over here, guys. Like <laughs> I saw that. Um, so anyway, guys. So listen. We need a shepherd to chase us down, to pick us up, to clean us up, to, to speak to us, to receive us and pick us up actually as we are. So I'm going to start coming back to church when I clean myself up. Well, good luck, man. I ain't going to do that. That's not what Jesus said. He takes you when you're a dirty, stanky sheep. You know what I mean? That's how he wants you. He takes you because that's who you are apart from him. It's a lonely world out there because every other system, every religion and thought doesn't have a shepherd but listen, everyone who says no to Jesus will live in that lonely world. Everyone, though, who believes in Jesus as their shepherd will not only have a life on this earth of getting to know and follow their creator, but the hope of eternal security in heaven with him forever. And some of you are like, listen, Cole, I, just, I don't trust Jesus as my shepherd because I've been hurt by Christians. I've been hurt by pastors. Or growing up, my family had a terrible experience with church. We got ostracized because of something we did. We didn't play by their rules. Maybe some of you, you came into your, your pastor or priest and you had the Bible open. You're like, I want to believe what the Bible says. And they're like, we don't. You're kicked out. Get out of here. We never want to see you again. Or maybe some of you, you just overall would say you have a really time, hard time going all in with Jesus. Not because of anything that necessarily happened to you from Jesus, but because every important relationship that you've ever had with anyone else has been full of disappointment and hurt, and maybe even trauma. And so if you're honest, it may be easier for you to keep Jesus at arm's length because at least that way, there's not something he could do or not do that overly disappointed you. There's not a way that he could not answer your prayer that would be too devastating. There's not suffering that you could go to that would make you over, or over question exactly what his role is in your life and friends. I don't know what your past experiences are, but basically what I just summed up is I hurt, therefore Jesus doesn't exist. Or I hurt, therefore I don't want you in my life, Jesus. Christians or people in the name of Jesus have done bad things to me, therefore Christianity is bad and I don't want anything to do with it. And I would love, love, after probably way too long, to say something to you that I prayed three times this past week would be life-giving to you. Friend, don't allow the wounds of the wolf to keep you from the salvation of the shepherd. Don't allow the pain from the past to keep you from reconciliation with the Redeemer. Don't allow the actions of an abuser to keep you from the love of the Lamb. Don't allow the devastation of the deceiver to keep you from the heavenly healer. Don't let the sorrows of suffering prevent you from trusting in the goodness of God. He is the good shepherd. Believe in him and follow him. Listen to him. Obey him. He's so, so good. Why should you embrace Jesus as your good shepherd? He eternally secures his sheep. If you're still not convinced, I have one more shot and then I'm done for the night. I'm gonna give it over to the Holy Spirit's work in your life. I want you guys to turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. 
Psalm 23 is titled, The Lord is My Shepherd. When Jesus in John 10, in front of a crowd of people who mostly weren't very fond of him at the moment, when he said that he is the good shepherd, he was saying, remember Psalm 23? That was about me. And the listeners who knew their Old Testament knew that. And so let me bring you into that. This is a vivid picture and taste of what it looks like to have Jesus as your shepherd straight from the Bible. Y'all read this with me, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why would you not want? Because he's the bread of life. And him is pure satisfaction. He's saying, when you have me, you don't want anything. I'm just not worried about it because you have ultimate joy and satisfaction. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, suffering, right, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They pull back in when you're wandering away and they guide you as you walk the path. Then, verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friends, if you found someone or something else that can top Jesus in Psalm 23, by all means, you go and pursue that. You have my blessing to leave but I wanna save you a lot of wasted time and years and energy and effort and just tell you, you're not gonna find it because there's no one better than Jesus. He's not just a decent shepherd, he's the good shepherd. And he's not just the good shepherd, he is the greatest shepherd who sacrificially loves you and me, his sheep, who knows his sheep, who pursues his sheep zealously as his sole mission and caring for your souls and eternally saves and secures us in his hands. So to Jesus' sheep in this room, be encouraged. To people who know in the deepness of their heart that at this moment you are a lost sheep, I would tell you to look at Jesus' words and he says that his sheep hear his voice and they know it and they listen to it. And Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary laden, and I will give you rest. Would you hear Jesus' call tonight? Let me pray for us. Father, I just thank you for your truth. My simple prayer is that Christians, followers of Christ, that you call your sheep and you're our shepherd, Lord Jesus. I pray they'd be encouraged. Father, I pray that in this room, if there is a lost sheep, that you in a very great act of love, would leave the 99 and go to them and pursue them and save them, that they would hear your voice and know it, they would see you as good and trustworthy. Pray this in your name, amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.